0: This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Humane Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. On September 20th, 2013, the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals hosted the third annual Living with Wildlife Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia. Defender Radio Special Report In this special report, you will hear the entire presentation from Louise Leibenberg, owner of the Grazier Ranch in High Prairie, Alberta. Grazier is the first ranch in Canada to be predator-friendly certified, which requires responsible, long-term and sustainable farming practices. To find out more about Louise, or see videos, photos, and other speakers, visit furbearerdefenders.com. Hello. Thank you so much for having me here. I speak with a bit of an accent because I was born and raised in South Africa, I spent the first 22 years of my life there. After that, I lived 18 years in Europe, in the Netherlands, and my next 20 will be Alberta, probably. Um, We ranch, we um, that's our livelihood, that's what we do. I was raised with that idea in South Africa that you shoot every jackal, you shoot every predator you have, because they could be a threat to your livestock. Um, My husband is Eric Verstappen, he works full-time off the farm, I am full-time on the farm. We've called our company The grazery, it's a company, a name that we took with us from the Netherlands. We ranch about five hours north of Edmonton. Um, we in Duck Dynasty country, we are redneck hillbilly, that's where we are. Um, because I'm, I have actually quite a lot to say, so I'm going to go through the presentation fairly quickly. Luckily, uh, speakers before me uh, touched on some subjects, so I don't need to go into such detail. Um, we run about a thousand sheep at any one time, depending on lambing time, the numbers can go up, uh, depending on if you've sold everything. Uh, numbers go down. But usually we have about a 1,000 sheep on our ranch. We have about 50 head of um, Angus cattle. We run about 50 free-range hens. Um, we own about 480 acres, and we utilize another fourteen, fifteen hundred. 1,500. Our ranch is the first ranch in Canada to be certified by the Predator-Friendly Organization. That is a U.S.-based organization. Um, we applied for the accreditation not because of the, um, this organization helps people market their products. We didn't do it for that because we realized we live too, too far away from our markets to really utilize that. But we wanted it to be able to open up channels to be able to speak to people about alternative me- methods of ranching, uh, and dealing with predators. So for us, it was just a gateway to be able to open up these, um, conversations. So the Predator Friendly Organization started in 1991 in the US and uh, started actually between a conversation between a rancher and a conservationist. And together they sort of carried on talking about it and they decided to form an organization that would inform consumers about ranchers who practice good stewardship, whether it's wildlife stewardship or land stewardship. That's kind of where it went. And that organization is kind of tying down, because it's getting amalgamated with a wildlife-friendly organization, which means that we will be not losing our predator-friendly accreditation, we'll have to apply for wildlife-friendly accreditation, which means that we will also have to consider other wildlife on our farm, like what do we do with moose and deer that come through our farm. All right. Um, What is predator-friendly? Up in our country, they think I am a tree-hugging, bunny-loving, wolf idealist animal rights fanatic, but it's not that. For us, it's just about having respect, being able to coexist. We don't have to kill loads of predators in order to produce our lamb meat or our beef. Uh, too few consumers realize that a lot of animals die because of you know predator management issues. And for us, it's just a way of life. We just coexist. If we do something wrong, we get predated on. If we do it right, we keep predation down to a minimum. And we do get predated on. It's not that I'm saying predation doesn't happen. That is certainly not the case. It does happen, except if we look at the numbers, we have had three predation incidents in five years' time. So that is very low. Everyone is dramatic. Everyone is an eye-opener. It doesn't take away the fact that you come into the field in the morning and you have a sheep mutilated. It does hurt you. Even though you are in the meat producing business, it still hurts you. It involves you. Um, I'm going to just briefly go over this because I'm sure there are speakers that are way more uh, into this whole idea. But, you know, we do need predators on the landscape as much as a lot of ranches feel, you know, rather not. Uh, we actually need them. It's important for the biodiversity, uh, for your land, your riparian areas. It has such effects. It even has some positive effects for a lot of farmers. Most don't really agree. But, you know, by wolves keeping elk moving, you get less predation of your grain crop. You get less damage of your grain crop. Less hay predation. Having coyotes around, you have less gophers around. So, you know, there are benefits. It's all about finding a little bit that balance. Where Where is the tipping point? my um, major issues actually started with the world wars in the U.S. Now, I follow a lot of debates going on in the U.S. because they are very relevant to what's going on actually worldwide, except the U.S. are way more vocal about it. The um, sides are way more polarized. So it's really interesting to see what's going on there. But thanks to the wolf wars and the extirpation of the wolf around about the 1930s from the U.S. Uh, Midwest landscape, a lot of ranchers felt they had the right to ranch without the threat of predation. So it is just a like a God-given right that we can just expect that. And um, with that right, expectation of that right, a lot of loss of tolerance has has. Being created, People are less tolerant. Research in Europe has found that in countries where the wolf hasn't been extirpated, the tolerance is way higher. Uh, a lot of ranchers lost their ability to know how to deal with predators. Now, I'm going to switch between coyotes and wolves and predators. You know, there are some things that are more pertinent to a wolf or more pertinent to a coyote or a bear. I'm going to kind of just throw it all together, but it, You know, each one is a specific species with their own issues. But anyway, in general, we have lost, in general, we have lost how to deal with predators, and we need to find ways to go back to that educational phase. How big is the predation problem in the livestock industry? Now, unfortunately, to find really good statistics here in Canada is really difficult. I'm sure they're there, but they're just buried in so much documentation. It's really hard to find. The U.S. is a little bit clearer with that kind of information. The best statistics I have managed to find for Alberta is from the Wildlife Compensation Fund. They pay out um, compensation damage to ranchers who have lost calves to wolf predation, not to coyotes because coyotes are um, a varmint or um, a pest, and they are not regarded as a predator. That's like a legal term. Who gets compensation? Who doesn't? But anyway, so the statistics are from the U.S., Um, from all the cattle, only about 0.23% got predated on. The top five mortality causes is respiratory problems, you know, pneumonia, digestive, calving problems, weather and other non-predatory things like they fell in a lake or they uh, broke the leg or whatever. Um, So, you know, you're actually talking about a tiny, minute number of animals being predated on. doesn't mean to say it's not devastating for the ranch that's happening too, because most often a ranch that is getting predated on gets predated on over and over and over again. So, you know, on their ranch it could be devastating numbers, Looking over the whole US, it's actually really small. Sheep are just really edible. They have very few ways to be able to protect themselves, so you definitely see the number of mortalities of the US inventory is 4%. The biggest cause of mortalities in all livestock is actually just management problems, you know, stuff that's actually solvable. Just what the coyote people say, you know, it's human. Problems. How we deal with our livestock determines how many we keep alive at the end of the day. Um, And I don't want people to lose sight of, even though it's a very small problem, to the person that's getting predated on, it could mean, you know, a lot of extra work. It has a financial loss, it is an emotional loss because it's never the Worst calf in the group that gets predated on—it's your show calf. What's the kid's bottle calf? You know, so you have an emotional connection. I don't want people to lose sight of that, despite the really low numbers. And that's exactly what's happening with the coyotes. Even though the incidences of actual bites are really low, we have to address these problems and look how we can carry on from there. Um, the ranching lobby is very persuasive, and why is that? We have this iconic idea of ranches you know Marlboro man uh, horses on the prairie we have a very sentimental feeling towards ranches um, which means that it's really hard to touch them it's very hard to say you know well those ranches are not doing it good because hey they're producing food that we eat and you know it's really difficult to bite the hand that feeds you so you know what has happened traditionally the ranching lobby, calls and says, oh, you know, the wolves are wiping us out, we need help, and the government steps in to help, and the government is really very efficient, because they only really have one method, and that's just, let's kill them, and solve the problem. Um, We can see it, like, if you look at the U.S. numbers again, um, Sherry had similar figures, but in 2011, the U.S. Wildlife Services killed 90,000 predators, that's just predators, of those 90,000, 83,000 were coyotes. The rest were something like 3,000 dogs, a couple of wolves, some bears. You know, so you, a lot of animals are dying in re- response to that reaction from ranchers saying, we need coals, we need control. Our local MD has an M- a bounty on wolves at the moment. Uh, they have killed over 400 wolves in three years' time on this bounty system like, let's help the ranchers because they need help, let's kill the wolves. Uh, Of course, these programs are biologically expensive, they are financially expensive, they are ineffective, and what to me is really the worst thing is it creates a a kind of complacency with ranches. Ranches become complacent about looking after their animals, and that is a big problem. Okay, just a quick example from our own MD. I managed to get these stats from the Alberta Wildlife Predator Compensation, and I mapped them out. Those are kind of the numbers of animals that have been paid out for compensation. I do not know there are some more because there are no coyotes, it's just wolf predation on this chart. And you see a spike in 2010, like the numbers really jumped up. Uh, in 2010, the ranch is called for a bounty, and it was instituted by our local MD. Um, If you look back in time, why there would be such a spike, maybe one of the reasons is that that's when the economic crisis really kind of took hold. A lot of ranchers had to find off-farm jobs, which means they're not at home looking after the animals. That could be a reason. Maybe there was just a spike in population numbers. Whatever the reason, there definitely was a spike. It would have been nice to be able to analyze it more, but there are no documentations, there's no information about that. Okay, what does that program cost? So I averaged out over 12 years, 8.75 head of cattle are getting predated on. We've had a bounty now going for three years, 400 wolves or $300 a wolf, dead wolf. Um, So in total, our MD has spent $4,571 per calf that's getting predated on um, the value of that animal is seven to nine hundred dollars. So there's a huge difference there. Now, I believe that the ranchers should be compensated in some way, but perhaps that money could be better spent to provide more long-term solutions, solutions that are going to not just last this breeding season, but are going to last over time the effects of predator controls we all know it just doesn't really work um, you know in southern Alberta with the culling of wolves no evidence to, uh, to indicate that is a long term solution because despite lethal controls you still get predation despite our wolf bounty every year ranchers are still losing cattle to wolves so you know they're paying out a lot of money but the problem is not solved we are still getting predated on and um, you so, know, we have spoken about the same with the coyote. It often causes an increase in problems. Um, it's just short-term mentality. It's as a band aid on a gaping wound. Okay, how can we move towards more ex- coexistence? Um, well, it's the whole thing. You have to reduce the number of. Uh, interactions so you've got to cut the conflict uh, you don't uh, you've got to cut like your feeding all those kind of things you need to look for goal oriented solutions ranchers are practical people they want a solution that they can apply to their ranch that can maybe help them get out of a problem and uh, we've got to look at compensation programs i am a very firm believer we need compensation programs but only to be paid out to ranchers who do absolutely their best to prevent predation in the first place. If they do that, then I think it's good and fair to say, okay, well, you've tried your best. You've done everything humanly possible. We will pay you out more than the value of that calf because you are putting the effort in. Creating buffer zones, um, understanding the issues, understanding you know, what are the issues for the ranchers. You know, ranching is a very small margin um, business. The packers, they make way more money. The retailers, they make way more money. So ranching is small. So every animal that does get predated on, you know, is a loss of income. So we have to understand these issues. Of course, education research is really important. Um, tolerance, creating some more tolerance. But I think the most important thing that ranchers need to do is they have to become proactive in looking after their livestock. Instead of turning to the government and saying, hey, help us, we need to say, okay, we can help ourselves so far. And if we still are having problems, then we can go to the government. It's sort of, you know, being a little bit more independent of government help. Okay, dealing with predation. Hope, hoping that you'll not get predated on, is not a strategy for success. You will get predated on. However way you look at it, you will get predated on. So don't hope for the best. Plan for what's going to happen if, uh, if you do get predated on. So what I find is everybody has to have a financial plan nowadays. You've got to have a business plan, you've got to have a family plan, you've got to have all sorts of plans. But I don't know of one rancher that has a predation management plan. We have these environmental disaster plans, we have all these kind of things, but we don't have a predation management plan. What are we going to do or how can we avoid predation? Now I'm pretty sure at the back you might not be able to read this slide but I have some handouts in the front so anyone who wants one after the presentation can come and collect it. This slide is on there. What you need to do on a predation, predator management plan is you need to analyze your situation. You have to assess how much risk you are actually running uh, by looking at your operation. Do you run sheep? Do you run cattle? Do you run horses? Do you keep chickens? What is your setup? Like, is it all spread out? Is it spread out over the whole county, or is it all on, like, one yard site? How are your buildings? Uh, What about corrals? Do you have winter corrals? Do you have feeding corrals? Do you have a sick bay? You know, how are you set up? How do you get rid of your carcasses? Because every ranch has, if you have livestock, you have dead stock. So every ranch has to deal with carcasses. Up in our country, we get, like, minus 40 for weeks on end in the winter. We can't dig a hole and bury that carcass. It's not an option. So most ranches drag the carcass out and dump it. And what are we doing? We're feeding the wildlife. So you have to look at how you're going to dispose of your carcasses and what's the best management option there. How about rodent control? You know, if you're having a lot of uh, rodents running around, you might get foxes coming in to catch the mice. Um, hay predation by elk. It's a big issue in our country. We have big herds of elk that come in and they damage your hay supplies. But we know from lots of GPS tracking and radio collars that wolves follow elk. So if the elk on your farm, the wolves are going to follow. And if you've got to choose between an elk, which is quite difficult to catch, or a calf, well, you know, if I was a wolf, I'd go for the calf. Um... Look at your fencing. Now, fencing is something I think you cannot fence wildlife out, but you can fence your animals in. There's a lot you can do with fencing. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, you need to look what type of fencing do you have in place and what is your budget. Do you have a budget, if any, to deal with these things? Looking at your livestock, your number of your head of livestock is very indicative. If you have very large groups, like 1,000 sheep running on lots of ground, you will have more predation than if you have 20 sheep in a little corral close to house home. It's just how it is. So you have to look at the number of stock you run, what type of stock you run. Do you run pretty tame animals or do you run like really good maternal, strong cattle that will run down a coyote that's in the pasture? You'd have to look at your like birthing system, like your calving and lambing system. Are you going to pasture lamb sheep like 300 head of sheep on a quarter section of land? Well, I can tell you, you will lose animals to ravens, to hawks, to coyotes, to foxes, to your neighbor's dog. You will lose animals because that system is just too easy, easy for the rancher, but too easy for the predators as well. You also have to look on your farm, farm, on what. The- Deficiencies you have, you have a lack of cross fencing or dilapidated buildings, or, you know, how are your fences? Are they broken most of the way? You know, you've got to find out where your problems could be. Risk, risk assessment, like, look at, the, are you on a migratory route? We have a moose migratory route right through our farm. Now, we have a big fence around our farm, and they crash our fence every year to the point that we've decided to lower our fence so the moose can step over it because That is their traditional route. Putting up my friends didn't solve, stop them. They just crashed it. So, you've got to look at these kind of things. How close are you to a big factory farm? Like, are you close to a big pig farm that's, you know, or chicken farm that's got a lot of dead animals? Uh, How close are you to a garbage dump or your, you know, neighbor's carcass disposal dump? How close are you to a bush line? Predators love bush lines. If they can sneak out from a bush line and grab that lamb, They're going to do it. It's way harder to go out on a big open field and then sneak up to your herd and catch what you need to do. Um, You know, what are the options? Like, do you have any options in place? Are you doing anything right now? What, what is your management strategy at this moment? Looking at existing tools like guard donkeys and guard dogs and other management things, deterrence. Uh, Look at the type of predators. You know, if you are only dealing, like if you're around, let's say, Steckler area in Alberta, wolves, it's not going to be your problem because they're just not there. But if you're in the foothills or if you're up in our country, you have to deal with them. So you have to know the predators, know what you're dealing with because each one has their own strategy. You need to find a way to deal with each individual predator on that landscape. And lastly, have an emergency plan as soon as you come into the field in the morning and you see dead animals, you emotionally are uh, high. Like, what are you going to do? You're panicking. You might be weepy. The kids are crying. Um, you need to know what to do in the event of a predation incident because you know if they're eating your sheep today, they'll eat your sheep tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So you have to do something immediately. You cannot wait until, and hope, but things are going to change. You have to do something immediately. And when you're in emotional turmoil, it's really nice if you have a strategy in place. Okay, some goal oriented solutions. So I touched on a few things in that previous slide. Um, oh, by the way, most of these pictures are from our ranch. These are two of my guard dogs watching over the sheep. Um, so we're going to just run through some of the things out there that ranches can do. Some of them are not practical. Some of them are in the uh, baby stages, they need to be developed. Some are tried and tested methods. And um, As we go along, I'll also say what we use on our ranch. Uh, some of the options are very U.S.-based, where just about every wolf pack has some wolves with a radio collar on it. So we'll look through some options and um, we can discuss them. Okay, if you look at your terrain, we spoke about the migratory routes, your proximity to bush and that. You know, just simple things like clearing up brush piles in your yard area or where your livestock are can make a huge difference because as soon as you take away a place for the animals to den or to hide in, it makes it harder. Keeping predators away from your livestock is all about a balance, a balance for the predator in energy and in risk. How much energy is it going to cost the predator to catch your sheep? How much risk is he going to take in catching that sheep? So if you can make that like really high, so it costs him a lot of energy, and he's he is taking a risk in hunting down your livestock, the chance of him doing it drops down. He'll go to your neighbor, because it's easy. They're not doing anything to protect protect your livestock. So why not go and eat there because it's way too difficult on our ranch. So by taking away your brush piles, not grazing your animals on, you know, migratory roots and um, moving them your proximity to a dump, all has an influence in making that balance harder. Habitat modification is another thing, you know. Subdividing your pastures, it's really easy. You know, Ranchers are lazy. We like to just throw our animals out on like 10 quarter sections and say okay, good luck, you know. Um, We don't have any work. We can have our old farm job. We can go and drink coffee at the Tim Hortons. But, you know, by subdividing you make it harder because your animals are more grouped together. Uh, It's more challenging for a predator to pick out one animal and move it around. Building night corrals. That is after our guardian dogs, night corrals is the number two Deterrent that we use. Our night corrals, we build them out of temporary fencing. We put up electric fencing and we build a night corral and it's usually only an acre, two acres in size and we move that corral around. What it does, it t- trains the sheep to come in at night to the night corral. It keeps the dogs close to the sheep. Uh, That coyote that wants to eat my sheep has to walk up to the fence, and that fence is electric, so he's got to jump over it or dig under it. So that's the first deterrent. Second deterrent, on the other side of the fence, there are three or four really big, aggressive dogs that are just hoping the coyote's going to jump over because they will rip him apart. We are predator-friendly, but our dogs are not predator-friendly. So they are waiting for that coyote to jump over. So the coyote's going to think, like, this is going to be tough. You know, if I want to catch one of these lambs, I might lose my life, yeah, because it's no fun jumping over a fence into the gaping jaws of the dogs. So the coyote moves on. He thinks, this is just too much effort. I'll go and catch a gopher somewhere. So, you know, that night curl is really important. It also gives us some peace of mind. We know the animals are relatively safe. I can go to bed at night. I can hear my dogs barking. I can hear on their intensity if it's serious or not. Like they bark at a deer walking past, but I, you know, really that happens all the time, so I'm not worried about that. But on the intensity, I can hear if I need to go out there and see what's happening, if I need to help them, or if I need to step up and, you know, go and do something else. The placement of your corral is really important. Running smaller groups of stock, like with sheep, sheep farms generally have a lot of animals, so you know, running smaller groups. We divide ours into like our. You group, which is about 550 animals. Rams, about three, four hundred rams. You know, different groups try and make them manageable where the dogs can have an overview of what's going on so they know, know where the animals are, what they are doing. So those are just little things that might not have a direct effect, but they certainly help. Uh, if you look at exclusion options, like, um, your fencing is an exclusion option. You build a fence and you exclude the predator from your area. Well, I have seen wolves jumping over really high fences. Coyotes can get through tiny little holes. You really can't lock them out, you know, unless you're going to spend a fortune in, you know, proper fencing and deep in the ground and high up an electric and that. So... The idea of fencing is that you know where your animals are, that you know where your guard dogs are, and that your guardian dogs are staying with the livestock. Because if they're not staying with the livestock, they're not protecting the livestock. Um, Building temporary fencing, we spend our whole summer moving temporary fences. Electric fence, we rotate the pastures, it's good for your land management, it's good for your soil management, it's good for your cattle management, it's good for your predator management. So we build a lot of electric temporary and moving them around. Um, flattery, which is a um, you know the hanging of those red flags to keep wolves out of areas. It works really good, but they habituate to it. So it only works for between 30 and 60 days, and then they habituate it. However, most people calve and lamb not longer than two months. So if you could put a flattery around your calving corral, it might just be long enough to prevent problems. But after that, you should take it down so they don't keep habituating to it and put it up next year again. Night um, crows, guardian animals. Guardian animals also are an exclusion method because the fact that they're here, they make a territory. It's their territory. It will keep other canids away from that area. And generally speaking, and maybe the lady from BearSmart, Bears generally don't like dogs, so if there are three, four dogs barking and yapping in an area, they probably just amble on. You know, they just don't like being bugged by bears. Coyotes don't mind; they interact with the dogs. Uh, wolves are just so overpowering that a lot of dogs are fearful. Or a lot of wolf, dogs are fearful of wolves. But having the guardian animals definitely is another deterrent in that whole process. You have your most gain by looking at your management strategies, and there's lots of management strategies. How you look after your animals. If you would just do something so simple as making sure that you remove sick and weak animals, your know, predation risk is lowered. Um, night corralling. In Europe, they found that if you night corral, you have a reduction in predation between 79 and 94%. It's huge. You know, um, carcass removal, if you just Clean up your carcasses. If you find a dead lamb or you find a dead calf, and you remove it and you dispose of it correctly, the chance of you being predated on is reduced by 55 times. Uh, we herd and shepherd our sheep a lot because we go. We don't only graze on our ranch; we graze elsewhere. So in some places it's impossible to put uh, fencing up. So you have to do um, shepherding. Works really good. Being a good neighbor, cleaning up your dead animals. Be flexible. So if I'm getting predated on in this field, I've got to be flexible enough to gather up my animals and move them to another place. Uh, we talked about the hay predation and um, the problems there. Um, breeding animals for good maternal instincts. You know, have a good strong mama cow or a sheep that will protect. Change your birthing times. You know, if you're going to lamb in spring when the coyotes and the wolves have their babies, they also need more food. We lamb in January. It's ice cold, it's horrible, but the predators only are looking after themselves. They don't have babies to teach at that stage. Be there to manage your stock, looking at different breeds and age groups, like feeding adult cows with your heifers and utilizing guardian animals. I'm going to have to rush because my time is moving on. That's one of my guard dogs, just standing over watching a newborn lamb. Uh, guardian animals, there are quite a few out there dogs, donkeys, llamas, geese multi-species grazing they're all like almost whole day workshops to discuss the different animals here the most effective is dogs you know, donkeys are fine but they're not as protective as a lot of people think I know of a lot of people that use guardian dogs to protect their show llamas so I'm wondering about how effective that is but I actually do have the numbers they're not very effective dogs is the number one so it's the most effective and it's the cheapest method of um, protecting your stock. They're all, they're all breeds, big, powerful dogs. They have a protective and nurturing instinct towards the sheep. And because they have that instinct, they are protective against your predators. Um, it is found that dogs can reduce predation between 11% and 100%. Um, in eighty nine, there was a big study done about guardian dogs by some really interesting researchers. And they found that 82% of the ranchers using livestock guardian dogs found them to be an economic asset. Um, even the coyote predation control manual in Alberta says, you know, guard dogs are the most effective tool. For going that way, we raise our guard dogs with cattle and the sheep, so that they they don't bond to cattle as much as they do to sheep. But the fact that they're there helps. Um, you see the dogs out working they're up in the front of the flock I knew that day that we had some coyotes in the back bush there um, the dogs set themselves up around the flock the, the sheep understand that they can hide behind the dogs see what's going on our dogs will protect a, car- a carcass from ravens from other predators they will not touch that carcass but they will lay all day by a dead sheep just to make sure nothing's eating on it and when I go and collect that dead sheep, the dog's all relieved. Like, okay, <laughs> you know, luckily she came and took it away. If you leave the carcass long enough, the dogs will actually start eating it to dispose of it. We don't want that because we like to know what our animals die of. We want to know if the carcass has just been scavenged on or was it killed by predators? Did it die of a sickness? So we don't encourage our dogs to eat carcasses, because we want to know. Uh, other things, a lot of frightening devices you know, sounds and bangers you can use, uh, repellents they did some taste aversion tests but they had really poor results by lacing carcasses with really foul stuff but coyotes are wise they figure it out rag boxes, I don't know if you know what rag boxes are but if you have a radio colored wolf and he walks past the top photos of a rag box if he walks past there that um, computer reads its uh, collar, and then it'll either issue like loud sound or sirens or something. In Europe, they're working with text messages, so the sheep have like heart monitors on them. As soon as their heart level rises because of predation tech, the shepherd gets a text message that you should go and check your sheep right now. <laughs> uh, Fladdery, Wolf, friendly uh, raincoats for lambs, they kind of help a little bit. Human activity is a big thing. Being there, watching what's going on. Uh, we do not agree with hunting and trapping, but it is an option for some people out there. Uh, what more can we do? Okay, it's really difficult to get the whole myth uh, idea away from ranches. I mean, there are still people that believe that Elders Presley is still alive. So all the myths surrounding wolves, like they will eat your grandchildren and they're going to you know, wipe you out, it's really hard getting rid of myths. But anyway, we can't just sit back and not do anything. So we need to educate people. I know uh, Just Beans, a wolf organization, has just put out a rancher's toolkit with some ideas. Um, looking at economic stability, if a rancher can stay home and look after his stock, if you can make sure that they um, get compensated for dead animals or can sell their products through organizations like wildlife-friendly fair game, um, it's always easier If you have a little bit of money It's always easier to implement new programs the Compensation funds I think a big thing is building On-farm composting sites If you can dispose of your carcasses In a good manner That's the way to go They're cheap, like easy to build Like The bottom one is an on-farm composting site um, Works really good Looking at fencing grants In Saskatchewan uh, The government pays a $200 dollar like rebate if you buy a guardian dog puppy. Uh, Getting farmers to understand what research is meaning. It's really great to have all this research. The wolf is the most researched animal out there. Um, But a lot of them don't know how to interpret that research into something that can be practical on their ranch. Putting things into perspective, no predation is an illusion. Don't think you'll get away from it. It's something that will be there every day, all day, always. But you have to deal with it. Looking more at long-term solutions, people need to understand the ecoval- ecological value of having well, predators around. We need to share information, like as I say, like wolves are getting researched, coyotes are getting researched. If people in um, Europe find a method that works really good, we should know about it. So we have to share information: what works, how effective it is. There are some projects, the cheetah project in Namibia, CORA in, um, I think it's situated in uh, Switzerland. While we're a friendly organization, we have to have more tolerance of having the predators around and we have to practice better husbandry practices. There are lots of options out there. Uh, A lot of what we do is an integrated predator approach. So we put in guard dogs, we use fencing, we rotational graze, we birth at times, well not us, but the sheep birth at times that are not high on predator Authorities, that like now is a real bad time for predation. We understand when predators are doing what on the landscape. This is Defender Radio.